It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This Ace Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. From baseball's top personalities, the Hall of Famer, one of the great TV broadcasters, Bob Costas is here on A's Cast Live. To the A's legendary players, five-time Major League Baseball home run champ, Mark McGuire is with us here. You never know what stories you're going to hear. We used to come out here to lunch and run with our shirts off. <laughs> you would say. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Welcome to another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. We got to see and talk to three former A's while we were in Nashville for the winter meetings. Three guys who are fan favorites, good friends of the program, Johnny Gomes, Rajay Davis, and Dan Otero. But if you've listened to A's Cast Live for a long time or any of the shows that I've ever done on the different radio stations, you know Johnny Gomes has been a good friend since 2012 he is one of my all-time favorites i love the fact i still get to do some tv with him he always comes on a's cast live a leader of men as we like to say one of the great leaders in a's history here is johnny gomes two-time world series champion tell stories all day long especially his lou Pinella tampa bay devil ray stories are some of the best he ruined Grebe's career. Yeah. Yeah, he he ruined a lot of guys' careers. And ben Grebe was done. And he, he made a lot of guys' careers. Um, I mean, just to start with things like everyone back in the day playing and all stuff, they're like, so managers used to come out and get, like, really upset? I'm like, they come out and threaten the umpire's life. <laughs> They're like, was it scary? Because, you know, now with instant replay, yeah, it's like, yeah, boom, yeah. boom, check yeah. it out. Keep your temp low. I'm like, man, you had some people with their hair on fire back in the oh, day. Oh, Lou would come out and throw the bag. Oh, he'd, yeah. go out into, he'd go out into right field and throw the bag. And yeah. Lou was a decent-sized guy, and yeah, yeah. he was a fiery player. He missed the Hall of Fame by, for the second year in a row, I, I didn't realize it was the second year in a row, by one vote. Yeah, man, we got to get that guy in. You know, you think him as a player, as a World Series champion, as a champion, as as a manager, and most team, most wins in Seattle. And you, that's the one thing I learned from you was like, you know, Lou taught you. It was a hard way he taught you, but he taught you how to play. Yeah, absolutely. And it's totally switched now. To Lou was really tough on the young guys, right? And you, you had to grind to shine. You had to earn your spot. You had to do everything right. You couldn't make st- uh, mistakes. And now we're kind of into the, at times, big leagues is like 4A. And you kind of lay out just the, the cushion or the safety blanket while in the big leagues. I mean, you screw up. You go first to third and get thrown out first out. of. Th- I mean, you're gone right when the game's over. See you. Go work on it down there. This is a damn big leagues. We don't work on stuff. We do stuff. So, yeah, but – um. You know, all that passion that he had, which was exciting, getting thrown out, kicking the bag, all the stuff. It all it part ways into he had his players back. Right. That's why he's out there. I mean, if the manager doesn't care, right? He's not going out there. But you look at a Bobby Cox like that too. And it wasn't, you know, sparking the team where umpires, you know, and managers kind of get into it now. They're in a slump and the guy goes out there and rearranges the box or whatever. I mean, you know, if you thought you were safe. And they called you out, and your kind of body language. Here comes Lou. Here comes Bobby Cox. Yeah, Lou would wake up from the nap. Yeah, yeah. Son, son, what happened? Son, son, son. All right, let me get out there. Yeah. So you got a lot going on. Yeah, man, I stay busy all baseball, though. Of course, it's all I know. Is being but you a- know, A's fans love you as much as you know. I love the A's fans too, man. Uh, I have 
it's just funny. I have, you know, some jerseys hung up on the wall and uh, they've been hung up on the wall forever. And for the first time ever, like my A's jersey is getting noticed. And they're like, damn, you get two sides. Like, oh, so cool. You got to play there. Right. And then, damn, that sucks. I mean, looking at that A's jersey, right? So I got my 31 A's jersey, 2012, you know, a little plaque piece. And then two pictures, one, of course, hitting a homer. And then the other, one of my favorite pictures is, you know, front side me, two bottles of champagne, Coliseum behind me. Yeah. I mean, spraying champagne at the Coliseum is a pretty exclusive group. You know, granted, we didn't get to make it all the way like the 89 team. But um, dude, I grew up in Oakland A's pajamas. Right. Yeah. I mean, having the opportunity to go from Petaluma zone, go from pajamas to the uniform and then be able to spray champagne in the Coliseum and slowly watching that whole thing dwindle away and become history books instead of making history inside that building. Where do you rate? Because I've always said the 2012 team reminds me of the We Believe Warrior team. Mm-hmm. Right, the We Believe Warrior team made the big trade. Next thing you know, the Warriors got hot. Baron Davis and the boys, they took down the Mavericks. Uh, and everybody, I mean, all Warrior fans, that was like, but they didn't win the championship. But that is a team, like even when the Warriors recently, with Steph and Clay, their champions, they would wear the retro We Believe. I mean, so it means so the 2012 A's team reminds me of the We Believe Warrior team. You were the leader of that team. It's the only time in the history of baseball that a team won the division and never once, never once led. led. It didn't happen until the very final out. And when the final out happens, the season's over. Then you guys were champions. You were the leader of that team, of course, the historic uh, battle with Verlander and the Tigers in, in, in the playoffs. But you've obviously you've won multiple World Series. You've had a lot in your career. But where do you rank 12? I rank that 12 team as, I mean, like where Moneyball is, that's a movie. It really is. That's a movie. I mean, going down the stretch, like we came back. I mean, it's kind of tainted me watching the game now. So like when it's like August 25th and you're 15 games back, I'm like, still a chance. Because I live. You guys are like 13 and a half back. Yeah. Yeah, You reel them in. Yeah. We're four games back with five left. And I'm like, there's a chance. And then today, or, you know, you see a lot of these teams, they're 15, 16 back in August, mailed in. Oh, they quit. Right, mailed in. The front offices quit. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm tainted from that of like, you know, there's always a chance. There's always a chance. I mean, even leaving spring training, I'm like, you know, we got something. You know, I do. Because I thought um, we would just have to beat Anaheim. Right. Was what I really thought. I didn't think Texas was going to be that good. They're really good. But that was the first year they get Pujols. That was the first year they get C.J. Wilson. And if you watch this game a lot and you see these big contracts, when you get that big contract year one, you're probably going to have a down year. Your whole freaking life changes. You're so freaking rich. You know, you've been on a team for seven years and all of a sudden you got a new, you know, way, a new hitting coach, a new manager, a new home, all this stuff. So I thought Pujols and I thought C.J. Wilson would be down a little bit. Uh, Houston wasn't anywhere where they are now right oh Houston, no they're yeah. the lastros yeah. then yeah. yeah and um you know i tell a story i was in spring training and this guy wearing like 60 something like his number and we're doing uh pitchers bp right and he gets in there and just absolutely launches a ball oppo over the scoreboard in spring training and i go who is that Right, because <laughs> I knew who's that guy. Yeah, I knew no one coming in 2012. Right, I mean, there's Brandon McCarthy, um, you know, all, all the older guys like Bartolo Colon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Outside of that, though, um, yeah. you know, Cespedes checks in. I knew Coco, but I'm like, who's that? And they're like, ah, he's just this young prospect, or he thinks he's a prospect, or like that. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're that that plays right there. It's Josh Donaldson, right? No one wanted to believe in him. It was I was oh gosh, I was like over here in my pocket right now. This little fun toy. Yeah, right? you can catch, super athletic. You can catch and play third, and hit oppo bombs over the scoreboard. It's like this. Is any? Am I the only one here? Yeah, you were the only one. Like, can, can we can we jump on this? Well, I'll tell you this. And then you get like a. Uh, 
uh, Brandon Moss checking in. You get a Reddick checking you in. You raised Reddick. Yep. Uh, all the way to the Spider-Man costume and friggin' pie and dudes. Those great Coco running around. Cespedes. Little sneaky Seth Smith, right, coming in. Seth you know? Smith, yeah, good yeah, player. He's doing a lot. And the, and the turnover was pretty crazy, right? The amount of turnover until you finally got it right. And, and the date was June 2nd. From June 2nd on, the A's hit more home runs than anybody else in baseball. And it just kind of clicked. But the one thing that I'll always remember, so we go over to Japan. Yeah. We drank a lot going over to Japan. Yeah, we got drank drink twice. A yeah, and then come back from Japan. Yep. But it was... Opening day, playing the Mariners again, yep. you were my game one. That was like the official, even though those games counted. Mm -hmm. It was coming back home. Those are, you were my guest on the pregame show. The very first, and you predicted on the pregame show, we will win the division. And I'm yep. like, yeah, we're going to win the division. And Josh, <laughs> we're going to win the division and Josh Donaldson's going to be an MVP someday. Like, yeah. This freaking new You guy. predicted you predicted game it was game three of the year, but it was really opening day. You predicted the team would win the division. The team won the division. Yeah, man. I mean, you gotta talk about it. You gotta do this. It was one of the things I learned way back in the day. Uh so coming up with the Devil Rays at the time, just absolutely the doormat of the American League, the American League East of the whole the the deal. But if you look at who played there, right, from like oh two to oh six. That was kind of like the landing spot for a veteran that needed like one more year, right? One more year. I mean, the dudes I played with, right? My first big league spring training to my right is Fred McGriff, and to my left is Tino Martinez, right? We had Ray Ordonez in there. We had Jose Canseco in there. We had Wade Boggs. Yeah, Hall right? of Famers. Hall of Famers. Charles Johnson, Cliff Floyd, Troy Percival, Eric Hinsky, Alex Gonzalez, shortstop uh, for the Cubs back in the day. So, I mean, I was surrounded by just dudes. And I was just a sponge, all this, all this. And Tino, one time, I think this was like, oh, oh, four spring training. Um, we're getting to the end of spring training. And he goes, you want to know one thing I haven't heard in this camp? And I was thinking like, bro, this camp was ran like instructionally because we're so young and so dumb and all this stuff. Like, bro, we heard everything. And he goes, I haven't heard the word playoffs one time. And I was like... Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. You must have played for the Yankees. Yeah. You know, where that gets talked about from day one. Yeah. Right. So it kind of created this mentality of like, you know, I mean, who's not going to set that goal in spring training? But you got to like believe it. You got to work towards it. You got to understand there's that grind in May, June, July that you're going to have to overcome because you have that eye on the prize, you know, getting into October baseball. All right. What are you doing here? Because you've got a lot on your plate. You've obviously, the, the Savannah Bananas thing's been mm -hmm. a lot of fun. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I, I stay busy. I like to get as many jobs as I can and connect with many people as I can. So the cool thing about this, obviously, you're not coming here as a player, right? So being like post-player, these like three days, like if you don't know how big baseball is, come here. Like, my gosh, you want to know how many departments there are in baseball. You want to know how many shot callers there are in baseball. So you sit back and you watch the game. You see the players, the manager, the general manager. I mean, there are more people here than, you know, you would ever think. This every team's front office. And we're just not talking like GM's decision. I mean, like everybody that's in ticketing, everybody's in security, everybody's in I, uh yeah, I'm, I'm thinking this is like marketing, like every there. This is an, an, an it's it's the industry. It's an yeah. industry gathering. We as like the people that cover the game have hijacked it and act like we're important. Mm -hmm. But the reality is there's just meetings all day long. Like our PR, our PR people came over the other day and they were talking about like their meetings that they're in. Like everybody is meeting. So it's the one time that every team's PR and every PR has three to five people yep. and so they all get in this big meeting with baseball pr and they all talk about what the good the bad the ugly promoting this game helping promote this game dealing with everything so like every possible department you can think of in, in a baseball team in the business is here meeting 
Yeah, like all, all the important people. And then what's just super cool is you're walking around, you have all these like young kids coming to apply, want to get into analytics, want to get into video work, want to get on the field somehow, want to get into the mental skills, want to get into nutrition. So you have this whole little like young group of guys coming in for baseball, interviews going all day long, meetings going all day long. Everyone's hanging out, want to know where friggin' Otani's going, you know, and you know, where the next guy's going and where this and, you know, the hot shot media guys are here. The local media is here. I mean, baseball as a whole is an absolute monster industry. And it's pretty cool to like when I'm playing, I thought it was just 25 guys, manager and GM. That's it. <laughs> fans come, you know, guys in the minor leagues. Yeah. I mean, stepping back now, I mean, this is a monster industry and it's great for people that want to get in the game too. I mean, cause there's so many different avenues. Like you don't have to play college baseball, high school baseball. There's so many different avenues to get into the game of baseball. Yeah. San Jose state Spartan. See a little, Boom. little known San Jose state Spartan can be in the game for many years. Well, shout out. Um, can we promote the data people? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's where I'm here for is uh, on the analytics side, you know, a lot of downstream. So two companies, one Yacker Tech and Yacker Tech is basically like the camera that tracks the ball. So when you see like ESPN, StatCast, all that stuff, yeah. uh, launch spin angle, rates exit, and all that, yeah. spin rate. Um, believe it or not, like, I mean, data is the new currency in baseball. Now, how you use it, Go ahead and use it a lot. Use this OPS plus WOBA defense, or you can do whatever you want with it, but you got to have it, right? Uh, so that's what we do is we record ball, you know, ball flight data at the amateur level. A lot of college, about 120 colleges, high schools, junior colleges, all that stuff. And then you come here and you present that data to major league ball clubs. And at the same time, that data is on a platform called Baseball Cloud. So it's Baseball Cloud and Yacker Tech underneath the same umbrella. Um, now, when we're presenting data to major league ball clubs, that's when you see how big this industry is. And it's just absolutely mind boggling to me to tell you the truth, how there's 30 teams that play the same game, that have the same rules, and all 30 are polar opposite. All 30 are polar opposite. There's something that a team absolutely has to have values, runs their org on this, and the next team just throws it out. That's stupid. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you think about it, right? Like all 30 teams are ran polar opposite playing the same game. And, and what's so interesting about that is that from my time in the NFL to where the NFL, all 32 teams. So the way the NFL has done their business and they've made sure that they have all of their technology and everything that they use is all. So all 32 teams are so similar to where in baseball, all 30 teams can be, as you said, polar opposites. Yeah. I mean, do you have a $300 million shortstop and Corey Seager, you know, going against a 21 year old, you know, guy at shortstop for the Arizona Diamondbacks? Totally different setup, right? $300 million man at shortstop. Five teams are in, you know, 25 are like, heck no. Like, what? Like, not everyone wants this guy or whatever. Like, oh, we got a guy in double A that hopefully is going to come up. I mean, all 30 are ran totally different. Yes. And, it, and it's it's crazy to, to be somewhat on the insides and you learn so much. And just expanding my baseball IQ, another feather in my hat. So it's a pretty cool space. When we've done the TV together for NBC Sports California, I mean, y you have technology uh, or I should say you have data that is just like, it's mind blowing the data that's out there on every single player, yeah. every single game, both teams, every single, I mean, you have that. I know people pay a lot of money for it. I wish I had it. I don't have it, but it's like, it basically forget. Like, I mean, it basically tells you everything you need to know about every player playing in every single game. Yeah. I think the word that changes now is the old school, like scouting report, right? Yes. Well, that's data. That's data, right? You look in the outfield, you look in the infield, this kid pulls, you know, a card out of his pocket, two steps in, three steps up. That's data, right? The catcher goes to his wristband, flips it over and goes two two count to the eight hitter. 87% of the time he does this, boom, down, there's my pitch. Like that's data. Like data is a new currency. Data like runs this whole deal. It really does. And um, if it didn't work, it would be gone. It 100% works. And it's just crazy how 30 teams use it in 30 different ways. Yeah. 
What do you think about Moneyball? Kind of Moneyball kind of started the whole thing. And then where we are now to think, is there a direction? Like what you know, because you've been around, you've been around some front offices. Is there a direction? If someone came to you and said, well, how would you do it? Is there a direction you would go in? I would get as absolute much data as I possibly could on the amateur level and draft studs and get Jacob DeGrom in the eighth round, and get Josh Donaldson late, right? I mean, that's where you that's where you have like longevity, right? You look at the Arizona Diamondbacks, right? You got basically Christian Walker at first base, who's a 35 homer guy, um, gold glove that was yanked off waiver. So I call that like homegrown. Corbin Carroll, Alec Thomas, your shortstop, uh, Merrill Kelly, who you went and got out of like Korea, your shortstop was in the amateur level traded from Toronto. Like all that was like built, you know, on data. So if, if it was my call, I'd get as absolute much data as I could and just dominate high school and college ball and just draft studs. How would you do it though from the big league level? How would you do it? How, how would you build your team? I mean, free agency, trades, how would you do it? So at the end of the day, like as analytically driven as baseball is, and it should be, there's one run or there's one stat that sticks out and it's undebatable. And it's whoever touches the dish more than the other team's going to win. That's crazy. Right. So what you're saying is if I score more runs than you in a game, I'm going to win. You're going to win. And that still works. Yep. And then you got guys. People never talk about that data. People never talk. You know, they're going to throw all these different analytics at it. I get Cody. Did you hear that? (laughs) Out of all the stuff that you love, you can have your Hawkeye and your track man and your stat cast and you can have all that. You still it still works today if you score more runs than the other team. Yeah, I, I, I've never really fully understood it until John has explained it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a unique situation. Or you could say run prevention, whoever gives up less. Yeah, yeah, whoever gives up less, but at the same time, you can't win a 0-0 ball game. And we don't have ties. Yeah, and you got to score. We don't have a push in yeah. baseball, which we were hoping for when we lost our money in the Titans-Colts yeah. game. Whoever scores more wins. I love stolen bases, and the only base you can't steal is first. You got to find a way to get on. Juan Soto, and I do want to get into, you know, we'll get into Juan Soto in a second. Let's talk about your 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 home run derby mm-hmm. that is going that's been going around the world. Yeah, this is this is something that is growing. Has that been talked about at all while you've been here? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's more of on a global platform, being like a, a global ambassador for the game, taking the home run derby X. And we did have two events because we had so much success for it. One in Hartford, Connecticut, and one in Fredericksburg, Virginia. It's starting to come back here. But again, how big our game is, we also, which the NBA took, did a really good job of going overseas, right? The more, no doubt. the more fans, the more viewership and, you know, baseball as it stands right now, I think is way more unique than the other three major sports is it's full blown the Olympics. It is so far from the, you know, best American born dudes. Right. I mean, we're all over the place with dudes that are getting represented on the field. Three best players going right now here in Nashville. Otani, Yamamoto and Soto. Mm -hmm. Not one was born in the United States. Nope. Yeah. I mean, it's a global game. And then go down to your youth. Right. Like like you think your 13 year old's good in Vallejo. Like, oh, you got something coming, buddy. You go look at those 13 year olds down in Dominican or you go look at the academy in Japan. Like, hold your mud and let your kid just have some fun right now, right? Hold on. Little Johnny in yeah. Vallejo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nothing yeah. wrong with it. Little Johnny, you're going to have your shot, too. Yeah, yeah. You, you're going to have your shot, too. Yeah, you just Johnny. have fun and have your dad hold his mud. Son, Yeah, son, son, son. Let's not get him an agent before he gets in eighth grade. Hold your water. Yeah. So you're going to be... What, you got London coming up doing this? What do you got? Yeah, so there's four. So one's confirmed, and that'd be London again. But, yeah, there's four international games this year. There's a series in London. There's a series in the Dominican. There's a series in Seoul, South Korea. And there's a series in Mexico City. Will you guys be doing this Home Run X? I mean, if there's anything I'm cut out to do post-baseball, it's probably traveling the globe and hitting homers. Still, we all said that. Yeah, that was on the bingo yeah. board, yeah. and we went. You know what Johnny's done? What do you think he's gonna do? Yeah, travel, travel the world and hit bombs. Travel, but yeah. So, um, 
yeah, it's super cool. And then just being a, you know, in a global ambassador for the game, the game was so good to me. Like, I mean, I start that with, you know, the 17 and 18 year olds that I get in player development. I'm like, you can throw your helmet and you can pout here and there, but this game has given me everything that, you know, I could ever imagine in my life coming out of friggin' Petaluma, California, going up to Santa Rosa Junior College, shout out Bear Cubs, best team in NorCal, um, all the way to finding myself spraying champagne in the Coliseum. Uh, and you just had another baby. That's a grown man six-pack right there. I got six of those things. You got six? I got six I thought it was five. Things. You got six? I mean, when you got genes like me, you better be passing it down. That's how I look at it. Dude, how do you handle six kids? It's eat or be eaten at Gomes' house. Eat or be eaten. Right? You're hungry, go to the fridge. What is it, boys, girls? What's the count? Three and three dead even. Yep. What's the oldest? 14. Volleyball player, bilingual, English, French. Number two, baseball player, golfer, bilingual, English, Spanish. Three, girl at 11, bilingual, at uh english and french little actor butterfly type and then we go down into these little caveman kids well they are you got to grind as the youngest coming in it's yeah. e- as you said yeah. eat or be eaten yep yep the youngest is a girl little oakley monroe so she's probably gonna be the first female president so we'll see how that works out so um are you like trying to track down philip rivers or yeah. what's the goal here <laughs> yeah so we got the nba starting five with a sub now so the next sport would be baseball yeah. starting nine and then we can get into 11 but um yeah man I'm, I'm i'm father of the year i love it all it's super cool i love raising these kids watching them grow they're impactful they're freaking great kids now like, oh these kids are a mess my kids are awesome we walk right down the road ducks in a row polite boom bilingual the whole deal smart kids good through sports it's fun all right uh are you coming back to do some tv if invited if invited i'd well, like I, to, I, I think uh, you're not only going to be invited i think they might be asking you to do more let's do it i mean i'm, I'm but this is your future right here this is it this is where we're growing this yeah uh, could be spectacular. I got plan. I I got plans for you. I love it. I love it. I mean, I I love talking the game. The more I talk to the game, it sharpens my baseball IQ. And I do have a passion of getting the mediocre fan more into the game. I love educating them of this is why this happened. This is what they're doing. That was actually a dumb play. That was a great play. Um, so I do like educating and talking to the game. Sometimes, you know, you bump in big, oh, I don't want to bother you, but I was bull crap. I'm like, come on, bring it on. I'll talk ball all day long. Two-time. Two-time. Two-time World Series champion, the great Johnny Gomes. Who would have thought from Petaluma would be walking around with two rings? How about it? So I still have a 707 area code, by the way, on the cell phone. Do you? Yep. Sticking to my roots. Did you know Cespedes was going to be that good? Um. Yeah. He was a show pony. Yeah, so he was not gonna ever gonna be healthy one hundred percent. Yeah, that's what I say. He was like a show pony. He yeah. was like he was the thoroughbred. He just had to keep healthy and get him to the Kentucky Derby. So, like, I'll give you some insight, and then totally like shout out to the A's department, you know, and the overseas department. All those guys are here, right? I mean, there yeah. is mass scouting. And Billy you know, Owens was the one that said we got to sign this guy. Billy Owens is the man. Billy Owens saw me play in uh, uh, Mexico down in the uh, Caribbean World Series. That was the first time I bumped into him. And that was another thing of how big the game is. I'm like, the A's are down here in Mazatlan, Mexico to watch me play. Um, but, you know, you look at it. So now you get into those, all, all this analytic and these swing guru guys. So Cespedes has had what you call this like barred front arm, right? Like a barred front arm. You'd never teach it. Like, that's bad. You don't want that. And Cespedes had that. And that's what kept a lot of teams away from him and signing him in the free agent market because he has his barred front arm but we weren't like michael young has a barred front arm and all this stuff you have to have like an absolute, great for golf yeah you have great to have for golf elite lower half to be able to hit you know with a barred front and arm he had an elite lower half yeah and he smashed the ball and you know everyone remembers that throw in anaheim all the way home um he was a terrible center fielder i remember when we first put him out there i'm like uh this isn't working well, how about playing left field next to him? It was an absolute truck with the biggest language barrier you can imagine. So I'm running in the gap, right? Left center gap, with just my life on the line. Like if I go, I got it, I got it. He can't understand me. And I can't understand what I got it, I got it is in his language either. Every time I had to go to my left and left field, I thought my life was on the line. It's like running into Bo Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yep. So I was like, I'll be over here guarding the line, and you son, get everything. Son, you got to learn Spanish, son. Yeah, son, son. Someone's <laughs> got to get another language over. You can't have an interpreter out there, son. Figure it out. All right. Yeah. Uh, I'll be. Uh, I'll. I'll be calling you. Be in, buddy. Be in touch. Always good to talk. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All righty, we're for, up for round two, day two of the winter meetings back from lunch. And look who we have here. A man that it looks like you got a title change. You're now senior director on field operations for Major League Baseball. Former A, Rose Davis joins us here. How are you? I am well. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, last time we uh, had you on the program was winter meetings down in San Diego. How has the last year been for you? It's, it's been good. I think um, we... We, we, we were we were able with Major League Baseball to accomplish a lot of things on the field, um, especially with the experimental rules, um, seeming like um, that's working and, and, and seeming like a lot of happy faces and uh, a lot of people going home a little earlier. Well, I'll tell you what, that was something we talked to you because remember the rules were going to change. We didn't know how's everybody going to do with the pitch clock. How's every we're asking you, how many bases would you steal <laughs> with these new rules? And – it looked like it all worked out. Yes, yeah, yes, it certainly definitely worked worked out, and um, there was an increase in stolen bases. There was, I mean, it was the most um, successful um, in years. Uh, I think it was at like eighty-one or eighty-two percent um, success rate of stolen bases. So that was which the is highest, huge. Yeah, that was the highest in the history. Uh, of baseball. So Did you want to get your cleats back on when you saw those numbers? Well, when I seen those numbers and knowing that my percentage was like 79, I was like, Ooh, I only <laughs> can imagine what I can do with, <laughs> with these advantages. <laughs> like, what do you like? Did you ever really like, man, I could have yeah. over a hondo? Yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's a challenge um, because you have to have a, a couple, couple things working for you. First off, you have to play every day. Then you have to get on base a lot because they're not giving that away free. And and then you have to have a team that's willing to allow you to run as well. Yeah. <laughs> but it was – I mean, they were running at a historic clip, and yeah. uh, it was a lot of fun to see, no question, the game. And obviously the time of game coming down was the big one. We saw it not only during the regular season, we saw it in the postseason. But the key thing is, is, you know, we had Dan Otero on, obviously former A – and working in the same office as you is where you guys are the middleman between baseball and the players. You know, once the rules started being implemented, just what was the reaction like? Because the players are going to talk to you. How were they feeling about it? From the outside looking in, it looked like pretty quick. They accepted it, figured it out, and let's go. Yeah, so for the most part, we had a lot of positive feedback from the players in regards to the pitch timer. And you know we, uh, you know we got some you know kickback on some of the, um, the the pitchers step offs and the 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 limited step offs. Obviously, that helps the 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 runners, right? So, um, you know, from our perspective, from Major League's perspective, you know, you you when when we did the the polls of you know what is the most you know exciting play in baseball with the fans. The number one is, you know, stolen bases attempts. So, you know, we're we're, we're helping to um, kind of uh, feed that um, with our fans, and 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 hopefully, um, you know, that that kind of that the players will understand that, and um, we can continue to move forward. Now that you've implemented rules that have worked. What are we talking? Are there new things that we're talking about? We're looking at, and and obviously you don't want to throw too much too early, but there was great success. So what would you like to see if someone, you know, if the commish or somebody around him said, all right, Rajay, what would you like to see? You know, I think as a player, and I get this from a lot of players, is, you know, there's a lot of things moving, a lot of moving parts, and sometimes it takes some time to adjust. So 
being able to get something that's you know kind of gonna stay for a while that that kind of works um, for for players and um, when 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 you do too much change and and there's so much things just uh, changing that 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 kind of hurts that kind of helps um, or, or or players don't really like that um, so um, not trying to change too much too too in in, in a short period of time. I think uh, maybe it, it might be a little tweak here and there, um, you know, um, with with the base path. But, you know, uh, just trying to see what's happening in the game, watching the game and seeing, you know, how teams are, are, are acting, how uh, players are being taught and watching the game. You know, some sometimes you, you see the, the blocking of the bases uh, along the bases. You know, sometimes you see that and that's a potential um you know area where guys could get hurt right because you yeah. see a lot more guys diving in hands head first right and if, if guys are putting their their knees down that could be potentially uh, harmful for our for our players the importance of your relationship with the players and the trust talk about that yes and and, and that that comes with uh, over time because <laughs> obviously that was not the case when when I started, um, but I think, you know, just the more times that we're able to have some face time to be able to talk, obviously we have the credibility with the players having played and, 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 and seeing our heart. Because our heart, you know, is to make this game better, help help everyone and help the, um, the industry, you know, grow. And, you know, and, and, and being able to share that message with the players on a day-to-day -day basis, especially during the season, is, is vital. Yeah, I think that, you know, there needed to be something like that. There was just too much animosity between the players and Major League Baseball. An in-between person, especially guys who played the game, to me seemed like such the right move and the right call. Yo, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, we're, we're only hoping to, to grow that and, and to continue to build our relationships and continue to strengthen the, the ones that we have built and, and continue to be a bridge for, you know, the, the players and the teams with the commissioner's office. You know, when you think about your post-career and what you've been doing, and obviously it's been fantastic, you know, to watch you grow. I mean, you even got a you're now senior director. When, when does senior director come on? <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't I don't have anything to do with the titles. You know, I, I think they're very creative and, yeah. and, and create the titles. I just uh, think of myself as helping to help this game move along and grow the game um, by us all working together. If we're all in unity, we can all move um, uh, to further along in, in this game. And I think everyone wants to grow. Everyone, every team wants to grow and the industry wants to grow. So, you know, with, with unity, we can do that. Well, you know, speaking with Dan Otero, he, he talked about the thing that he's learned so much is just how big baseball is and how many different things are on baseball. Cause you know, you just think like players, managers, front office, and that's, you know, baseball. And then all of a sudden you start working for the league and you just, wow, I can't <laughs> believe actually how big the league is. So just like when you start to think about your growth and where, what do you think about when you start progressing throughout Major League Baseball? What have you thought about your future? So, so I used to, I, I I started actually thinking about like where 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 are the the, the issues? Where are the problems we having? Um, and 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 you know, I, I I can look out and see. Okay, well maybe maybe our players need you know some more accountability, right? If if they have um, someone who could you know help with that, you know, or or someone that could help you know players when they have a bad year. Right. And how 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 are you going to help him get on back on track? Right. Because we want our best players playing really good. And that's good for the game. It's good for the fans, our, our, our best players being on the field. And, and, and you know, obviously injuries is, is an is an issue sometimes with some clubs, with some players. And being able to keep our players healthy is 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 huge. You know, so, you know, when I think of that, I think of, you know, how how can we you know help our players stay on the field? stay healthy, and, and really um, take care of those off-the-field issues because I believe that those off-the-field issues directly affect those on-field play. No doubt. And I think mental health is really, for the first time, truly being addressed. We're understanding it. 
teams are understanding that players can need help. We, we had our situation this year with Trevor May. How much have you delved into that and helping teams and helping, ba helping baseball realize mental health is an issue anxiety depression these types of things are going on with our players to where years ago was suck it up or we'll send you to the minor leagues and uh that's not the smartest way to deal with it well exactly that's why i started a program to help um an accountability program to help the players to help them with their brand to help them with their their um their stock and and to do it through mechanics right their mechanics on and off the field for some guys it's, it's mechanics in their head Right. And so if we can deal with those issues and, and, and deal with them, the mental uh, maybe it's a relationship that they're having, you know, in, in, in the offseason or it's, it's, it's something else. Maybe it's uh, um, the alcohol abuse. Maybe it's, it's drugs. Maybe it's 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 issues that are going on that if they don't talk to someone, um, these issues could get and become problematic and now you're affecting the team you're affecting the league you're affecting the fans you're affecting what they expect out of that player these meetings you know we talk so much uh, about our role and what we're doing and looking at the meetings but just talk about for you on a regular basis when you come to this it's the industry meeting mm -hmm. so where the industry one time a year comes together talk about what your day is like and everything because you're someone that's dealing with baseball you're dealing with the players tell us what a day's like for you so um, like well for instance today we had um we have you know uh, umpire meeting we have replay meetings we're, we're talking with the clubhouse managers so everything that's connected with on field we're, we're, we're dealing with those and we're talking with those and we're relaying messages and we 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 let them know that we were listening to you last year Right. We're listening to all the that's why I go to the field. That's why Dan goes to the field. That's why Gregor goes to the field to get, gain all this feedback from the field. And, and then we can implement um, issues that's going to help the game progress. Replay. How happy is it? Are people with replay? <laughs> yes. Take I, us around <laughs> how people really feel. Do they love it? Not love it? Like, how do they feel about replay? I think overall, it, it's 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 a it's a positive uh, feedback on on replay. Obviously, not everything can be replayable because then we get back to the same place where we were, where the games could last longer than we, yeah. we want, right? And so, you know, that that has been a plus and, and a positive, um, you know, with 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 having the replay. Are we ever going to satisfy everybody with how we do replay? Exactly. That's probably the best question. Are we going to satisfy? Is there a way? Is there a way we can satisfy everybody? That, that, that's not possible. Um, but you know, we we can we can uh, sh surely I think we can get the majority. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, when, when you start thinking about so many international players, when you talk about the role of helping, especially young players. You know, we see the Japanese players, they're going to get interpreters. They're going to, we don't see that with, with the Hispanic-speaking players as much. I, I mean, when you talk about, you know, helping international players, how much are you involved in that? Well, I, I think um, that would be more Gregor. Gregor Blanco, he speaks two languages, and he's, he's on our um, on-field operations team and, and department. So he kind of helps with that area, and he goes uh, – to these you know latin america countries um i i could possibly you know take a trip with him um this coming up year um and 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 perhaps we can we could start something you know that's those those are issues that um i think we need to dive more into and 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 see where where we can go and and, and help out are you able to travel that much well Yes and no. I, I I haven't really officially talked with you know our our managers on this, but I know Gregor does go internationally, and he has gone internationally this past season to deal with. And I was just talking to some of our uh, MLB guys who are in the DR and are in Venezuela and in these places, and and there there is a need for that. For they're asking me to come out there and you know help there with their academies help see their kids it would be good for them and you know just just having those conversations more often and and seeing how we can make a a, a solution or bring a solution let's end on this when we start thinking about this upcoming season what are some changes we could be looking at for this upcoming season it we could i mean we we we, we don't know um 
for sure. But we we could see a, a potential, um, you know, the 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 baseline. We 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 could see that. Um, you know, we could see a change there um, with uh, the 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 runners, the first base runners lane, and always controversial. <laughs> always comes up during the year. Yes, right, and and that has been like a, a a big thing. So we could see a change there. We could not. Um, you know, it's 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 you know, it's 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 not official, right? So um, that's that's one thing, and you know, hopefully that we we will have. Um, the, the fans come out like they did last year and, and continue to come out and, and continue to love this game that, that I love so much and, and continue to, you know, uh, just support support baseball. One thing we do know, baseball's slow to change, <laughs> right? Baseball is slow to change. It's not easy to change things in this game. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. <laughs> you're right. You've been at all those meetings. Yeah. Hey, it's great catching up with Thank you. you. Let's not do this just once every year. Let's right. check up during the season. Absolutely. Uh, A's fans would love to hear from you, but I, I'm so happy for you and Dan and these new careers and what you guys are doing. You know, you're not having to travel too much. You don't have to be in uniform. You're staying in the game. You're help changing the game. You're making the game better for players. It's kind of it's kind of like you found your right spot here yes. in your post playing career. Yeah. It's it's been fun, and I, I thank you. I appreciate you for having me on the show and be able to enlighten, just kind of give an update on what what where where I see the game and where I, I think uh, the industry is going. Dan O'Terry, you're now Senior Director of On-Field Operations for Major League Baseball. You have become very important. <laughs> I don't know about that, but thanks for having me on. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. These uh, winter meetings are pretty uh, insane. You know, we were just talking about off the air. It's like the media, we've hijacked this event because we want to break news and we're all breaking down the meetings. But really, this is the industry coming together there's constantly meetings going on. We know there's A's, you know, our front office is here. And when we think front office, we're not talking about David Force and the baseball people. We're talking about people who deal with tickets, mm -hmm. promotions, advertising, security, like all the different things that go on in baseball they're meeting about. So it's not all, not everybody is sitting here wondering where Shohei Otani is going to sign. Maybe everybody is, but you know, there's countless meetings going on. Clubhouse managers have their meetings. Traveling secretaries have their meetings. So it's just a constant, you know, evolution during the meetings. And then all the great minds from all the 30 clubs get together, and they kind of talk about what they're doing the following year. It's great. So what exactly are you now doing in Major League Baseball? So I'm working with great people, Gregor Blanco, Rajay Davis, former A, yeah. and uh, Raul Labanias, and we have our small kind of – group of former players within a bigger department of baseball ops you know we work with mike hill daniel monday julie hernandez sam therian and we try to build relationships with the current crop of players to explain what the new rules are explain what we envision the game growing to and then we're their kind of conduit to the commissioner's office and then we do a lot of different things during the postseason checklist items to make sure everything's you know level playing field for both clubs um, you know, clubhouse standards. So a lot of different things, but our main focus is probably building that relationship with players to make sure they have a voice in this game. How smart was it for baseball to say, need a middleman? We need a middleman, the players and us. And you bring in former players. We now educate you more on the game. It allows you to then tell the players more because they're going to trust you because mm -hmm. you're former players. Hopefully they trust us, and we're trying to you know make the game – we're trying to work together in collaborative effort to make the game what it is. And it's a great game. We want the fans to love it. We want the players to love it. And we want it to continue to grow so in 20, 30 years it's in a good spot. Um, so I hope it's a good decision, <laughs> and we're trying to be those stewards of the game, you know, for the industry that we love. You know, this is baseball, and we want it to keep growing. I always love ask, asking this question. Now that you've had this fancy job for a while, <laughs> what's the one thing you think back as a player that you had no clue that now you're in like these meetings or you learn something like, wow, I had no idea? Well, so many things. I mean, just talking about the RSAs, the security guys and ladies, and they go to the stadiums and they make sure everything is set up in a safe way so when the players arrive that they're taken care of. You know, that's just one element of the game that has nothing to do with maybe on-field personnel, 
but they are crucial and they're wandering around this place now making sure that everything is safe and that's one thing that is fascinating to me and just talking about you know the different global events we have coming up like last year we had mexico city we had london this year we have dr london and seoul yeah and their job is in it's so hard and they've started six eight months ago maybe even longer doing site visits to make sure that everything is set up in a way so the players families coaches the players themselves are safe when they go over there for those two or three days um, to try to grow this game globally. Yeah, you got to realize, so I've, I've done the trip to Japan twice with the A's, and it's great. Like, you show up, and there's buses show up and take you all over the city of Tokyo, <laughs> and you're like, this is great. And then you go to the Tokyo Dome. Yep. But someone had to do all of that. Someone had to set all those trips up. Absolutely. And, yeah. the, glo- and the global events team does an outstanding job, and I've learned a lot of what they do also. And they they try to tie in with baseball ops to make sure they're doing it right for the players. And so it's just a constant just motion and it's a huge machine, and we try our best to make sure that the players are always taken care of because they are the, you know, the focal point of the game. Yeah, I, and, and I think that's so huge for you guys and your job is you understand that in the end it's about the players. And sometimes and, – and I get it. Like any business, you think what you're doing is best for the business and you forget about players' needs. I get it. It's just human nature. You're like, well, this is what's best. And you go, well, wait a minute. You still got to have to deal with the players. So how how many times or just talk about that part of your job where sometimes you have to tell people, well, let's slow up here. This might not be so hot for the players themselves. Yeah, those conversations kind of happen on a daily basis. Um, and, you know, we were always spitballing creative ways to improve the game or to make the game better or just keep it the way it is. And then sometimes it's like, wait a minute, from a player's perspective, this may not work. This may not be in the best interest, or this may be what could happen three or five years down the road from a player's point of view if this is implemented. So we try to always give that player perspective. And then in addition, we're always talking with the current crop of players, whether it be the major league or the minor league, to really hear what they have to say, because they're the ones experiencing it now. You know, yeah, we played a little bit ago, but they're the ones in the dugouts now, in the trenches, and their viewpoint is so much different than even ours is. So we're always trying to stay in tune with what they're thinking. So every generation changes. Even though the game, there's going to be players are going to be similar, but the players start to change. And one of the things that changes all of us is uh, is technology, right? I mean, I got to think back, you know, when I was playing in college, we didn't have these <laughs> – we didn't have these, right? Mm-hmm. We had to actually go to the library back in the day. I'm that archaic. <laughs> um, and you just think about how much technology has changed. It wasn't that long ago you were playing, right? No. And it's changed so much. So just talk about how when you talk to these players that you see there's there's a difference in the players right now than just a few years ago when you were playing. Absolutely. I think it's a generational thing. I mean, I have young kids and just seeing what how many – how much tablet time they have in school and just you walk into a clubhouse now and it's no longer necessarily guys around the table playing cards or dominoes a lot of them are on their phones or on their personal xboxes playing whatever game they're playing um and that's just not even on field technology then you have all of the other technological devices that are trying to help you get better on the field like rapsodo trackman traject ipitch um all these edutronic Kinetracks. I mean, it is countless ends of types of technology trying to help these players perform at the highest level, and it's being introduced at the little league level. You know, so you have eight, nine-year-olds sometimes hitting on a track or pitching on a TrackMan machine, and so it's it's fascinating how the game has evolved, and we just hope we can marry the two components to not go one f- go one way too far. I told a story not too long ago. Years ago at Candlestick Park, I was doing an interview with Ricky Henderson as a New York Met. And standing next to us, just listen to the interview, was Glenn Allen Hill smoking a cigarette. (laughs) Like, you think of, like, how different the game is, right? He's smoking a cigarette right there, listening to the interview. And, you know, he knows Ricky Henderson, one of the greatest players. I'm like, how different the game is today. It's uh, it's insane. Uh, All the new rules, uh, I think, for us covering the game, it was, like, right on games. You know, earlier. Hey, I got hey, I got to talk after the game. If you can speed this thing, I mean, I'm I'm on hours before the game. After you can speed it up, but I mean, just the stolen bases. Just you know, now that you look back on it, how do how do how do you think it went for the players? 
We receive majority positive feedback from the players. Um, obviously, there's hesitation going in, especially in spring training when we're talking about all of these. Okay, this is the rule. This is what it's going to be. Go over all the hypothetical scenarios. And then all of a sudden, once games started, a lot of that kind of just went to the wayside. Not to the wayside, but it, everything kind of worked itself out. Because once the game flow started picking up, players are like, oh, shoot, I get 35, 40 minutes of my life, and I can go home early. Or um, So all in all, it was very positive. You know, there's always some tweaks we can make to improve it. But I would say it was a resounding success, and I think from the fans' point of view, it was great. And watching playoff games in three hours, 3.02, was, yeah. you know, it was a great thing for the game. And players adjusted very quickly. They were the best players on the planet, some of the best athletes on the planet. And so I think giving them another full off season to prepare for this pitch timer is just going to make them even embrace it even more. Um, so all in all, it was really successful. And kudos to the baseball ops game strategy team within the office doing all that research on the front end to make sure that when it was implemented, it was ready to go. And there weren't that many hiccups. How important is it to get it going early in the minor leagues so by the time – they get here, the, that that new generation comes. It's like, well, we've been doing this forever. Yeah, I think that was huge. I mean, I think last year, I think we looked at the 40-man rosters on opening day, and I think like 45 to 50% of those players had already been exposed to it in the minor leagues. And even from the umpire's point of view, a lot of the umpires, younger umpires were exposed to it either in the minor leagues or the fall league. So the younger umpires were able to help kind of the veteran umpires out, be like, hey, it's not, it will all work out. You know, because they had done it. So I think both from the player side and the umpire side, that the fact that all of a lot of the players and umpires were exposed to it in the minor leagues or in the fall league really helped. Our sport doesn't <laughs> like change. No. It just <laughs> does not. Like, we're like the old, old man. We're not changing anything. Get off my lawn. To where, like, every single year we were talking about it. We, we actually went to the Titans game yesterday down down uh, downtown, I guess. And we're like, God, you can – you can't challenge pass interference anymore, right? So it's like every single year the NFL, well, you can challenge it. They're constantly changing things. Hockey, mm -hmm. NBA constantly. Like now that these changes worked and the data shows that it worked, could we see more changes that can help the game and really kind of modernize the game? Probably down the road. I think, you know, a lot of it's going to let this marinate for a little bit and let everybody kind of adjust to this new way of playing even though 20 30 years ago it was that way of playing you know in the 80s 90s 70s it was quicker paced games so we just kind of went back to what it used to be and i think we're going to let it just i don't think we're going to see any wholesale changes anytime soon you know maybe some tweaks here and there but i think um yeah i mean it was a resounding success right stolen bases were up it was an exciting product on the field mm -hmm. with a lot less downtime which was great so what's what's what? I mean, as a former A, we're always rooting for you, um, Commissioner Baseball. What, what what's next for you? What, I don't know. Maybe you're gonna own a team. What are, what are you gonna do? Maybe manage like vote. You know, I don't know. And we that, all we all believe in Stephen Vote, right? Swear to God, it was. <laughs> did you get the date on it? When we so Steve Mariners come to town. Uh huh. We do an interview in the dugout with Stephen Vote. I will get it because we're talking to him tomorrow. So I'll have it for us for tomorrow. This was like two months ago, or th yeah. Two and a half months ago, it was. So it, we, it was in September, late September. Set the cameras up. Mm. He comes down, known voter for yeah. years, right? We're doing the interview. He's just talking about you know getting my feet wet, you know, in the bullpen and learning, <laughs> and you know, there's so much to learn. This is the interview, right? And then we're going over his great ending with the A's and everything, but it's because you know, we just had him as a player, yeah. And now he's just you know he's down the bullpen with the he's now the manager of the it's, Indians. It's amazing. I'm so happy for him. We stay in touch constantly, and obviously I played in Cleveland also for four years, so knowing the situation he's going in with that front office and that fan base, it's a perfect fit for all of them. And uh, I can't – I mean, I wish him the best. He's going to be great at his job. We all knew as a teammate that he was going to be a manager someday. Yeah. And that it happened this fast doesn't really surprise any of us. I mean, it happened fast. I mean, the thing for me with him – and I think I probably learned it the most from Bob Melvin because we had, you know, being around Bob for so many years is that no matter what, you can have all the data and technology, you can have all this kind of stuff, but the bottom line is we're still in a business of communications. Mm -hmm. You still got to be able to communicate with the players, yes. and that's where a guy like Vote 
has his strength. Absolutely, and he's done it all, right? He's experienced the lows of the lows, starting off over whatever he did in his career. He experienced the highs of the highs, and you know, he turned himself into a two-time All-Star. I think he pretty much, I think he got de- or optioned down after one of his All-Star years to start opening day with Oakland. So he's experienced all of that as a player. And then being a catcher, you also get to communicate and relate with 1 through 25 on the roster, 1 through 26, all the relievers, all the starters, all the hitters. So he's good. He's set up for success in that realm. And he's just a natural communicator, natural you know, leader. So it, it's it's going to be fun to watch him grow in that role, and I'm excited for him. Well, we know you got <laughs> meetings. We appreciate you stopping by. It's been a lot of fun, and it was last year in San Diego. We got to talk to Rajay, yeah. and he was so excited about this role. You guys are excited, and, and it's it's a lot of fun to watch <clears throat> your careers after your playing careers evolve as you're now becoming a part of the fabric of Major League Baseball, and who knows where it goes, but – you look like you're having a good time and you're staying in the game that you love. Yeah, absolutely. No, I appreciate you having me on. Well, good to talk to you. And uh, enjoy all those meetings. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Great to see Rajay Davis and Dan Otero doing so well with Major League Baseball. And you know Johnny Gomes is always going to do well. One of the great guys of all time that's ever worn the green and gold. So we want to thank Johnny Gomes, Rajay Davis, and Dan Otero. It was great to see him in Nashville at the winter meetings. Thank you for listening to A's Unfiltered. Now back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.